Welcome to Jurassic Park. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes the fuck out. Howdy everyone, Uh, welcome and come and join me for the Portugal podcast. Um, I'll be telling stories that hopefully make you smile and force you to speed dial your lawyer fast in the GNR raid at Argaf and Villamora last Wednesday. But I'll get the boring political stuff out of the way. Number one, thank you for all my patrons. Still adding away every month. Thank you very much for supporting the podcast. Number two, I will not be able to fit all the absolute shenanigans into one podcast. So if anyone wants to hear the full story, you best spend 92 cent of your hard-earned cash and become a patron because that's where I'll be putting, I don't even call it the leftovers, just some of the too hot for TV snippets will be up on my patron. So if you want to get the full experience of the Portugal podcast, become a patron. All your support is very much appreciated. It keeps it going. And very quickly, if you don't follow me on Instagram, guest-wise, getting Weathan, a DJ slash producer on the show in two weeks, getting the lead singer Royal Blood, and then we're just trying to finalize the date with Luke Donald, who is the former number one golfer in the world. Not many people can say that, you know. But anyway, let's get down to business. So... I'm back, back in one piece. I just got off the phone there with a friend of mine who was just, he's actually just leaving now. And he was saying last night was World War Five at this stage, because I think number three and four had already taken place over in the Algarve. But there seemed to be a lot of mischief, ambulances, et cetera, et cetera, which doesn't surprise me. I suppose we'll kick it all off with the booking. So the infamous booking story. So me and a few friends thought it'd be a good idea to get away. And I might as well get it out of the way. Like, I, I want to get away. Okay, quarantine sucks. It's not good for mental health. It's not doing us any favors. So if I want to go over and enjoy my holiday, if hundreds or thousands of other people want to go away on holidays, each to their own. Okay, just be sensible about that. Don't go around Ryanair, Aer Lingus flights, spitting on people, throwing masks out the window. Well, if you open a window on a flight, you're dead. But ideally, don't do any of that. Just keep yourself to yourself and be sensible. But we book it. It was me, four other lads, maybe five, one or two lads pulled out close to the time, but we'd booked us and we used Airbnb naturally. And I remember the day we actually booked, I was quite busy and I had my phone down for two or three hours as I was watching a film. And I look back at my, at my phone and all the lads gone ahead and booked us. And I was like, oh, brilliant. Looks incredible. Right in the mixer. Loads of bedrooms, big pool. Fantastic. All is good. Then I look through the link, start looking at all the bedrooms. I'm like, geez, this is absolutely incredible. I'm like, how much is it? And the quote was like something cheap enough. Considering it was in the heart of Quintalago, I was like, all right, this is a bit cheap now. So I go check the owner. And the owner's name was Sholto. That's like a Mexican cartel drug lord you'd see in season two of Narcos. And this probably won't be the last Narcos thing I'll mention on this as well because it's the wild wild mexican west over in the algarve but his name is shalto he just joined like two days before he'd given us the gaff and i immediately was like right he's got no reviews it's too good to be true 
where are the coordinates, where's the gaff. So we essentially do an FBI investigation between me and a few of the lads. We start scanning all over Kinsalago to find the swimming pool that matched the one in the picture. So there we are scrolling all over Google Maps. We find the coordinates of the gaff. It leads us to essentially the Sahara Desert. So like, right, there's no gaff where the coordinates are. That's a big issue. So we spend about 20, 30 minutes scanning over Google Maps to which we eventually find the actual gaff and the pictures of the gaff and a gaff that matches the pictures like 30 minutes away. So we're like, right, we've been royally scammed here. And we get onto Airbnb, blah, blah, blah. Turns out the guy was a fictional character. He was Walter Mitty or the Truman Show, except without any of the benefits of watching the Truman Show, we just basically got fleeced. Thankfully, we got all our money back, but... Like you should have, my reaction was once I saw the coordinates, you know, that scene in Bad Boys where I don't know what happens, like someone gets killed or something and your man Lawrence just goes, shit just got real. Shit just got real. Moving swiftly on. I want to get my moan out of the way and it has to start so like once i get this moan out of the way everything will be so much better so ryanair the last time i did a portion of the podcast the ryanair had issues with them from the get-go and lo and behold like it was it was rallon versus ryanair and like i should be getting discounts i did get discounts but like i should be getting discounts for the man to actually mention them on this fucking podcast but on my flight over, so I went to Portugal twice, went with the family for about eight days, then flew back, then went back over for five nights with some of my friends. The first incident was on the way over with the family. We're sitting on the airplane and nothing's really happening. And we're just kind of sitting there going like, right, we we're meant to take off 10 minutes ago, which by Ryanair's standards is great timing. But I noticed about two rows down on the window seat, there's a mother who's giving out and pressing the emergency button. And I was like, what the hell's going on here? So one of the staff members or their hostess, whatever you want to call them, comes up to assist. And she goes, I'm absolutely, that is disgraceful customer care. How could you let someone do that? And I was like, Jesus, I hope everything's okay here. Five, ten minutes later, it's established that this woman had seen her pram, the baby pram, being put in incorrectly, which I don't know how you can put a pram in incorrectly into a plane. Like, I didn't know that was a certain thing. When you get the instructions of a pram, please take baby out of pram, fold up the pram in a correct manner so it can go underneath a fucking flight for three hours in the correct manner. I couldn't believe it. So she starts screaming as if she's just been told the plane's going to crash, starts roaring at the pilot, And then next thing we know, we're there for 40 minutes, 40 minutes, because she made this poor guy who was out in Dublin airport in the freezing cold to put it in the correct way. So he had to go digging underneath the plane, find the pram, fold the pram into the, (laughs) into the bottom of the plane to suit her needs. And yeah, and then to make matters worse, what's one of the worst things that can happen on a flight? Yeah. The infamous baby crying. The row in front of me, baby cried, and I timed it 37 minutes, nonstop, nonstop. And it's one of those things where, like, everyone is kind of looking at the parents being like, shut the fucking baby up. But then the parent rightfully reacts, like, we weren't saying this to each other, but, like, we were eyeball talking, if that makes sense, giving them the looks. And the parents just like, it's a baby. 
quite literally doesn't know what the hell is happening. So yeah, uh, it was it was a fiasco. So then on my flight back from that, right? So I left eight days later on the Sunday. So I come back, right? We get, it's a Sunday flight. Get to the airport, bit hungover. Then we get onto the flight. I was like, where's the captain's thinking? We're ready for takeoff. And the flight will be two hours and 50 minutes. We should have a smooth flight and you're going back to you six degrees up and blah, blah, blah. No one ever has spoken like that on a flight, but I gave it a go. And that's my honest assessment of what pilots sound like. In the event of the cabin decompressing, oxygen masks will drop from the ceiling and untangling them will annoy you before you die. (laughs) (laughs) It gets to the stage where it's like, right, take off, blah, blah, blah. Your one tries to close the door and they're kind of heavy, the plane doors, and she's struggling immensely. So then before I know, the pilot comes out of the cockpit and starts trying to, and the both of them are trying to close the door. And like... I'm terrified of flying. I absolutely hate it. I think it'd be like of all possible deaths, a plane crash is my number one. It terrifies me. It absolutely terrifies me. And don't be like, oh, mate, you're like more likely to be killed by fucking coconut falling from a tree in Hawaii. It's like, I will never be in Hawaii underneath a coconut tree, you insane human being. So anyway, it becomes a three-person job. And then this big fat bloke from row one gets up and starts trying to yank the door. And I'm here like in row 18 going like, this is the last thing I want to see before I take off on a Ryanair flight. People struggling to actually close the door. Then about 10 minutes later over the tannoy system, the pilot goes, hey, we're having some technical issues. We hope to get it sorted in the next five minutes, um, but we'll keep you updated. There was no technical issues. They couldn't shut the fucking door. And like, it wasn't as if like, oh, it's something in the cockpit and stuff and it needs to be sorted out. Everyone could clearly see that the door just simply would not shut. So the door eventually doesn't shut. The pilot then goes, sorry, we're going to have to change aircraft, blah, blah, blah. It should be a five, 10 minute changeover. We get our stuff, go on buses, drive to the next uh, Ryanair plane, which was only about two minutes away. And we're just on the buses and we all expect to get off. So the majority of the bus get off. Then they're like, oh, wait, 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 wait. It took them another 35 minutes to get the plane ready. Like, I don't get it. As in, like, the plane's either ready or it's not. Let us on the plane. I'd rather sit in the plane than in 32-degree sweltering heat with my luggage with a bunch of, like, angry passengers. So they eventually let us on. We then sit down and they go, oh, we actually have to fuel up so there'll be another further delay And that was it. There wasn't like, oh, we're very sorry about ruining your whole lives. So eventually, an hour and like 55, two hours later, we take off. Not once did anyone apologize for the delay. Not once. Like there wasn't a single fucking apology. And then most recently on my flight back from the second trip, I get on. There's, I'd say, about 25 people on the flight back to Dublin. And I'm sitting in row 18, 19. I always go there. It's like middle of the plane, always the aisle seat. And the air, uh, air hostess comes up to me and goes, Hi, excuse me, could you um, just move up a few rows to the emergency exit? And I was like, why? And she was like, we need someone to sit there. And under no uncertain terms, number one, I'm not moving because it does give you extra leg room, but I hate flying. So just staring at the emergency exit for two and a half hours wasn't a liable option for me, or viable, I should say. 
well, I would be held liable because we go down. But I actually said to her, I go, listen, I'd be very uncomfortable sitting beside the emergency exit. I'd get quite panicky. And in case of an emergency, I'd be the last person to have. I fully felt like Larry David in that Kirby Enthusiasm episode. I was like, if this, like, if we get into turbulence and start going down, like, I, I'm just going to start screaming. Like, people would be like, get off, get off, open the emergency exit. And then I'd end up scrapping the pilot. I'd be like, it's all your fault. As we crash into the fucking Irish Sea. And that's the last you hear of me. Good run. Hi. Um, listen, I can't really sit here by the emergency door exit. I think you better get someone else. Okay, so we're about three minutes away from wheels up, so you okay. need to just stay put, okay? No, 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 we've got you, a full no plane. you don't understand. I can't be sitting here. If something happens, I can't. We won't be able to get out. Calm down, okay? I cannot do it. I will panic. We will go down. All we need to know is that you're willing to assist passengers in the event of a non-traditional landing. I cannot be of any help whatsoever in any kind of non-traditional landing or any traditional landing. Did you read the brochure? Read the brochure? I can't read that brochure. It's Chinese okay, to me. Oh, a- I'm sorry. Are you Chinese? Oh, you look a little Asian. I'm sorry. But it's just an expression. But I don't think you are Chinese. You look maybe Thai. I'm not sure. Okay, is it the seat or are you just scared to fly? No, I choke under pressure in any kind of game, basketball. If I was on the foul line and towards like the last five minutes of the game, I would miss the entire rim. Okay, I don't I see- I couldn't even hit the rim because I was choking, choking. Sir, how about I get you a drink? Would you like a Merlot? No, thank you. I don't drink. I don't drink. Just please find somebody else to sit here. I'll look for a seat for you, but you owe me one, mister. Thank you. I mean, it's ridiculous. I don't want to sit here. Why should you give me a hard time? Just find somebody else. Who the hell knows how to do this thing? What, pull down? What is that going to do? Can I pull down? You have to be strong? I don't even know. Then what do you do? You smash this thing? What happens then? The door just suddenly opens miraculously? So yeah, the first part of the trip was, as I said, the family affair. Went over my father, my brother, and his mate, Mr. Kennedy. Smell. A.K. Smell. And he's quite an infamous character. And I had my, I had my doubts because I was like, I've never gone hot. Well, I had gone holiday when he's a bit of an interesting character. And we get to the airport, get the car rented. And we stall straight out of the car center so i'm like jesus these portos are lethal drivers this could be a dangerous drive home so the google docs are showing how to get to kinta etc etc and we stall again before we get onto the motorway and i'm like we could be going downtown here so we start driving five ten minutes on the road no hiccups take a turn and i immediately notice on the left hand side of the road and I was like, uh, sorry, smell, you're actually on the wrong side of the road. And he goes, oh, Jesus. So he swerves to the right-hand side of the road. And we're driving up this kind of dusty old road, bombing it down with my brother up front being like, yeah, turn right, turn right, turn right. And it gets to the stage where we're coming over a hill and we see another car coming over the hill. And we couldn't really distinguish what side of the road they're on. So smell starts panicking, going, Richie, Richie, we're on the wrong side of the road. We're going to crash. I go, no, we're on the right side of the road. And it's getting closer and closer, like some sort of Fast and Furious film. And he goes, I'm going to swerve. We're on the wrong side of the road. We're going to kill us all. And I was like, just stay on the right side of the road. And thankfully, we go by and avoid a complete disaster. But it was the type of holiday where my old man, who's like a bit of a comedy legend by doing nothing in particular, just people tend to laugh at him, including myself. He was in the pool at one stage. And Mr. Kennedy was behind him swimming around laughing. And my dad swallowed too much water in the pool, so started coughing, being like, <coughs> and instead of smell helping him, he just started giggling behind him, just being like, <laughs> and my dad almost had a heart attack. Well, he was just laughing and tickling his back in the pool. Oh, 
was one of the most enjoyable groups of people I've ever gone on holiday. Obviously, two family members and the friend, but like it was, it was absolutely gas. And yeah, I'm trying to think what else. This is the first half of the family holiday. A great idea was proposed to us by Mr. Connor Cocoin. He was like, we should play golf. And I was like, oh, brilliant. We'll get someone else involved. And we were like, who's a bit of crack now? And we'd realized that Ross Deegan was over there. And Ross Deegan's infamous for being, number one, a great storyteller. But number two, also featuring on the school's rugby round rant this year. So I knew him from that and I knew Cocoin as well. So we're like, yeah, let's play a three ball. And like, I think it was a Friday. We booked it at like three o'clock, which for anyone who doesn't know, it's like 31, 32 degrees. So it's unbearably warm. So we'd been out the night before. Me and Cocoin, Ross was fresh as days. He had a lovely family meal. He was he was top of the morning stuff. He was like, lads, how are we? Cocoin honestly looked like he'd just come back from a six-month-long stag, drenched in sweat, being like, lads, 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 could we just go to like Coco Lane or somewhere before just for like a settler? He orders a Bloody Mary, and I'd never had one, neither had Ross. And he orders them, and they come out, red drink, loads of ice drawn. I'm like, this is exactly what I need. Roast and hot, nice refreshing cocktail, off play around, nothing better. For anyone who's never had a Bloody Mary, keep it that way. They honestly taste like, imagine you'd gone on a complete send in someone's gaff, right? It gets to four o'clock, you go, right, well, we get some drunk pizza. You get pizza. There's obviously slices left over. You leave the slice there. Then the next morning you go out all day. Then you come back that Sunday evening and you're like, oh, I'll leave that again. You wake up Monday morning regretting the whole weekend. You still have the pizza there. You stick that pizza slice, the moldy pizza slice, in a blender. You put tomato ketchup. You take a shit in the blender, whisk it all around, pour it into a jug, put little cubes of ice in it, put a straw in it, and then suck. That is what the Bloody Mary tasted like that morning. It was one of the most putrid things ever. And the thing was, me and Ross were expecting the same thing, a nice, you know, beautiful tasting cocktail. It was vile. But the round of golf was one of the best things ever. Got a shit ton of super buck. I ended up crashing into the back of their buggy before we even started. I had to push the cars to the first tee, essentially, because it wouldn't work. It eventually overcame difficulties and started to work. But the best thing about, well, not the best thing, but one of the main things about the round that I really enjoyed was Ross Egan, one of the most positive men you'll ever meet. He's like, bro, 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 we'll be fine. So as the round went on and on and on and on and on, we started getting drunker. And there was a few wayward tee shots. And I sliced one into someone's kitchen in their villa. I think they ended up having it with their eggs and avocado for breakfast. But he was like, no, bro, we'll find that. We're definitely going to find that. And I was like, no, Ross, I actually think it, it could have killed someone. And he was like, no, 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 bro, we'll definitely find it. It's fine. And we didn't find it. It was gone. It was finito. Absolutely finito. And yeah, that was good. It was good fun. Ended up having pints back at the clubhouse for yonks as well. And ended up turning up to the family dinner later that night a bit tired and emotional. But the first stint... Like it has to be said, the property. For those of you who don't know, you now know. And those of you that do know, you know. The property was a house, right, where once it reached 12 o'clock, no matter where you were in Portugal, you'd be like, back to the property. And 
yeah, it was it was Lawless back. It was Jamie Lawless back at that calf. So it was the year below, or was it? I'll let you figure it out. And there was a Saturday Sunday in which I arrived that they had the two proper sends. And at one stage on the first night Saturday, you had a fifteen year old up until the age of a thirty four year old in the house. So it's like a time machine. Like you had some lad. A 15-year-old from Gonzaga in the kitchen while outside you had full-blown lawyers and investment bankers losing their proverbial marbles. And like some of the stuff you'd see in there, right, it would make Project X look like a PG animation remake of what actually took place in the property. Like at stages you had lads bollock naked doing weigh-ins in the kitchen for a proposed fight. I don't even know what the fight was for. They just came out being like, weighing 180 pounds is Mr. J or Mr. Y. And they were just there, bollock naked. I had to hold a towel up to cover them. Like there was women around. There was a four, there was a 15 year old in the kitchen for Christ's sake. If a child saw that. But yeah, I remember on the second night, the, <laughs> I went back to the property, right? And I arrived there around half 12, one. I'd been in Julia's all day, all day, from about half 10, 11. And I get back, and let's just say I'd had a few too many Superbox, right? Guilty. So I get back, arrive in the taxi, stagger out of the taxi, vomit all over the place, stagger into a bush, realize I'm way off. I'm way off. So I go into the gaff, bump into two of the lads I knew, I sit into a bedroom with them for 10, 15 minutes. The room starts spinning at a rate of knots. So I go, lads, I, I need to get out of here. And they're like, what are you talking about? I was like, I need to go to the toilet. So I go to the toilet. And before I knew it, I was like scoring the toilet, getting sick everywhere all over it. And no word of a lie. Next thing that happens is I hear banging on the door. I wake up and I'm like, Vugga, Vugga. blackout again. Next thing I know, I get woken up and there's a guy in the year below. We'll call him Mr. E or Mr. Z, whatever you want to call him. He's standing over me and he's nude. Like he's essentially just got a little towel around him, but he's fully nude. And I wake up being like, sorry, what the fuck's going on here? And he's like, Rallon, what are you doing in my kitchen? Sorry, my bathroom floor. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? He goes, no, no, no. What are you doing on the bathroom floor? And then suddenly it just all hits me at once. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. So get out of the room. I do a lap. Mr. Q was like, do a quick lap, see if you know anyone. And as I'm doing the lap, I take out my phone and I see like 28 missed calls, WhatsApp's blowing up. And I go, oh, bollocks. It's five to seven in the morning. I'd slept for six hours on the ba bathroom floor, completely just wipe out. I walk around the gaff, there's about 15 people there. I knew no one. There was not a single human being I knew at the gaff. So at one stage, someone goes up to me and goes, sorry, where's the bathroom? To which I was like, it's inside. And I was like, I need to get out of here. 
So I grabbed my stuff, and it was like that scene from the other guys with the bar mitzvah. I got, I was thought I was going to have to shoot my way What do you think, out. Evan? I woke up, I took the belt off my neck, and I got in my car, and I got out of there. Talk about a wild weekend, right? I thought I was going to have to shoot my way out. <laughs> what are you going to do, though, you know? Bar mitzvahs. But, like, it was... It was a bit much. And the next morning at breakfast, turns out my brother and his mate were at the gaff and they were like, you should have seen last night. I think someone could have had diarrhea in the bathroom because like there was a massive queue and no one could get in and people were just like, boom, boom, open up, open up. And there was just no response. People were getting worried that this guy had like diarrhea or died. And after about five minutes of deep cell search and I was like, uh, yeah, that was me. So yeah, there's a confession for you, free of charge. What else happened on that first trip? I bumped into one Nicole Scherzner or whatever his name is, the Pussycat Doll lead singer. And like, I think she's like 40 and she's, it's when you see those celebrities who are gorgeous that you're just like, you are quite literally perfection. You then quickly, and I was in the campus, which is the gym at that space, uh, at that area, I should say. And I looked into the reflection and like, I was thinking, I wonder what she thinks of me. And then my mind drifted off and was like, you know what? She probably looks at me and thinks I've been sculpted out of Leo Varadkar's kneecap. Well, she's there beautifully tanned, squatting away. And yeah, she destroyed my ego as quick as Usain Bolt can run 100 meters. So what's that? Nine seconds? I don't know. It's a couple of seconds anyway. She managed to destroy it. But yeah. Then next, like you're looking at the Uber drivers. This is something I've always been keen to talk about ever since I got back, which was like two days ago. But who's counting? Uh, I am actually. I am counting. Two days ago. Actually, three. What day is today? Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Three days. Actually, <laughs> head's gone. Sorry. The Uber drivers. They're insane. Okay, quick story about this guy. I get an Uber drive. For, uh, sorry, the head's gone there. I'll reset. Mental reset. I get an Uber home and I get into the cab and your man's got tattoos, he's bald, he can speak English, all that stuff. But he's blaring Slipknot. And if you don't know what Slipknot are, they're this heavy metal band. It's like, what a god behind. And I was like, right, yeah, turn it up, man. So he's blaring this heavy metal on my way home. And I'm like, yeah. And I remember telling the lads the next day, being like, oh, you should have seen this guy. This guy who loves Slipknot was bombing around and like they were like ah, i don't know about that like if that's that believable and what turned out on the last night we went back to one of my mate's houses after a few drinks in the cheeky pup and we get into the taxi and i look up and i go that's it slipknot and it was the bald fella and before we knew it he was blaring the slipknot and we were just like yeah <laughs> but yeah what else happened there was a cab driver on our last day, me and my mate get into the cab and he picks us up and I sit in because I'd order the taxi. My mate sits beside me and your man just kind of just didn't take off. Like didn't start driving and like 20 seconds pass. And I'm like, what's going on here? And he turns around really slowly and just goes, Richie. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is Richie. Would you believe? And he was like, Okay. And then just like really calmly moves the car off. He starts driving. And he's one of these drivers that like has to triple check everything. So like he was taking a left turn out of where our house was. And there wasn't a single hint of a car being anywhere near us. Like nowhere near us. Yet he kept looking right, 
lift, right, lift, and then would take off. And you're like, Jesus Christ, this could take six hours before you get back to the mainland. And 10 minutes into the cab journey, and no word of a lie, like we have not even touched our mask. We've just been chatting, me and my mate. He turns around and goes, you know, you have to wear masks in the Uber. And my mate looks at me as if to be like, sorry, since when have we traveled to fucking Pluto and back? We haven't removed our mask for the whole journey, you absolute buffoon. And we were like, yeah, yeah, no. And he goes, okay, okay. So we get to our destination and the guy had the child locks on. So we're trying to escape and your man's just staring back at us. And I was expecting just to be like, Ritzy, remove your mask. <laughs> I'm not even going <laughs> to... I'm not even going to finish that statement. Last Uber story as well was one of the crazy, like could have been the craziest thing I've seen while over there. So me, Mr. C and Mr. D or whoever you want to call them, were in a a taxi going to an afters and we were at the top of Julia. So, you know, the ramp going up down into the car park or the ramp going up from Finns and we're at the top there getting the taxi and the taxi starts taking off driving. And all we start hearing is, and before we know it, it turns into the scene from Terminator 2 with the Terminator's just lecking in after the car. And we see this foamed up Lula, like a guy who looked like he'd been sleeping in Tomorrowland for the last four years and was preparing himself for this sprint towards the Uber. We didn't know the guy. He starts going, hey, get that fuck back here. And before we know it, we're in pursuit by this complete lunatic. He's a young guy, probably younger than uh, myself and my friends. And he starts going, ah, get back here. He catches up with the car. While I'm telling the Uber driver, I'm like, drive, drive, drive. He, like, swung in towards one of my mates. I think he hit him on the shoulder. And then my mate, honestly, he had to just reverse punch him, clocks him. And he just falls to the floor and just rolls like... My mate's in the middle, who was a bit drunk, just like 10 seconds after that whole ordeal happens, just goes, that's, that was the craziest thing I've ever seen. (laughs) And the best thing was, a few of my mates were waiting on another taxi and they saw the whole thing happen. And they were telling us like the next morning, being like, yeah, this guy just charged up the hill from Julius and was like, hey, get the fuck back here and chased us. Oh, it's so funny. It was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. And yeah, speaking of uh, Julio's or Julia's or Julia's, like the best thing was the the interview going around. You know, oh, it's a very safe place. Yeah, I'll go, if you can all come here with your best mates and have a great time. And then it's like all oh, the ice feel like, yeah, we're just here. It's the base of the economy. Like, I'll just play it. Coming to the Algarve. The Algarve is a fantastic place to be. It's safe. We're here for a party, big motherfucking son. No, we're here on our holidays. We're here on our holidays. Oh, came, you came all together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good people came out. How many of you? Oh, fucking I loads, man. Uh, like, uh, maybe like 50. No, you. you no, no, Portugal's not in the green list. A couple of cases, that's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You need the tourism industry. Keep the tourism industry going. You think this is a safe place? I think it's a very safe place. Os conseguiram varrer a zona. Yeah, like that is absolutely hilarious. Like 
This is, by the way, this is like 24 hours after you have witnessed people legging it around with golf clubs and smashing glasses over people's heads. And yet these same people are turning around being like, oh, it's a very safe place. Like, that's like asking someone who'd survived the D-Day landings. Um, I know you're uh, missing a leg and you also saw your best mate get blown up by a fucking grenade. But do you see if, do you feel safe, bud? And then they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely, like, oh, yeah, it's key around here. Like, yeah. Do you see the Long Island Ice Teas? All right, Grant. Well, uh, thanks for the war. Like, it was the most insane thing ever. And, like, your man's like, oh, we have to do it for the economy. But, yeah, no, it's 100% safe. Like, meanwhile, there's police running around the background and it's complete mayhem. It was like an episode of Camp Krusty from The Simpsons. Complete, unadulterated mayhem and danger and violence. Only for them to turn around and be like, nothing to see here. But, yeah, it was... Like, the chat about the, the infamous club gate, or the golf round, was like they were local drug dealers. It was a bit of an issue earlier in the day, and they came back later to kick two shades of shit out of anyone who got in their way. And they didn't have machetes. I I, I was arriving thinking, okay, lads have turned up with machetes at Julius. It's all getting a bit much now. But, like, imagine that. Having a Long Island, well, I would say, uh, sex on the beach only to find yourself on the set of Narcos. And I know I've done a Narcos plug, but this will be fitting because, like, you find yourself on the set of Narcos because the fucking Klongo's 2017 SET captain's head is now flying down the hill while two lads from Liverpool have been thrown into the back of a van saying, get me the fucking bootle. But my theory is that the lads booked around a golf and they just didn't know the fucking rules of the game. And they ended up going to Julia's and taking a few swings. And, like, I also saw the videos, and, like, one of the lads a swing, like, wouldn't be tolerated up in Leopardstown. Honestly. Hey, shooter, haven't you forgotten your nine iron? <laughs> and I loved the day after you were getting screenshots of people DMing Marcy and Julia's and all that stuff, being like, um, just so you know, I hope you're okay. I said, yeah, I'm fine, mate. Fucking fine. Oh, you're okay? So is Julius closed for the rest of the summer or will I be able to sip on cocktails at half ten this morning? Like, how inconsiderate. Like, honestly, like you couldn't write that shit. Like, but anyway, moving on, you know, swiftly. Uh, the hill, The hill as a whole was in good form. I enjoyed how, like, everyone wasn't allowed to stand up, and that meant that, like, the staff were about as overworked as James Miller during the Premier League days. From my reckoning, the Praca wasn't open. I think it opened the last day or two, but, like, it wasn't the siege mentality of previous years, and Gecko's nightclub was gathering cobwebs by all accounts. And, like, it was a great pity that the paparazzi run wasn't made by me and Bullet this year, but we will live to dream. That maybe one day we would do it. But the next time, if we were to do it, it would be at an age where like severe questions will be asked and it wouldn't be asked by like 15-year-olds. It'd be asked by lawyers in court. But yeah. What else? We also did a boat tour, sunset thing. It wasn't that funny, but like it was just really enjoyable. So if anyone's over there listening to it, go on the boat tour, Villa Moore, I think it's like 50 quid ahead. So do that. Um, And like the property was the gaff for the first holiday. We used to call... Where we used to, we did call our place the venue, or that was, was known as. So we booked a gaff in Villamora 
away from the crowd or like it's 15 minutes from Julius, the chance of anyone want to come to after is very low because they would be like, oh, it wouldn't be ours. Go to Vallelobe or somewhere else. So the first night, the first night, and we'd all gone being like, don't, do not guess um, afters back to our gaff. But no and behold, come out of Julius, two of the lads I know a few years below me. They go, oh, Ram, what's the crack? What are you up to? I was like, uh, having a clue. And they were like, well, do you want to come back to this gaff? And I was like, oh, where is it? And they're like, oh, it's just a few of the lads, a few Michael's lads staying up in Villa Mora. And I was like, hmm. And who, who lives there? They're like, oh, we're not really sure. It's Mr. Z and Mr. Y. And I'm like, that's interesting because uh, I'm fucking staying with them. And they're like, oh, class. So then just come back. You'll show us the way. I arrive back. And it's quite calm. There's only about 10, 15 people. And I'm like, right, thank God. I thought this was going to get out of hand. But before I know it, right, I've got people coming up to me going, uh, Rylan, what are you doing here? And I'm like, sorry, you're excused. Excuse moi. This is my fucking house. That's my bedroom. That is my super box you were throwing on the floor, you miserable prahak. And what really annoyed me was I was trying to maintain like entertainment or being a good host. And like there was only four other lads. So we had to kind of make sure we were good hosts. And like at this stage, it was getting gathering and gathering more people rocking in. Ding, ding. Oh, hello, Roland. What's crack? Oh, hi. Thank you so much for having us. Do you have any vodka? I was like, take the vodka. Cheers. So I was in the kitchen. These two women, which if you actually know who these are or you're one of them listens to this podcast, you need to DM me, not for sexual preferences, for me to give out to you more because what she did was an absolute disgrace. She rocks in, opens the fridge, and in like the side panel, two Superbox slip out, smash her. <laughs> he squeezes in and he slips in. Jamie Squeezelip. But they slip all over the floor, shit all over the floor, smash everywhere. So the two bottles smash and the beer's just on the floor. So I'm like, sorry, sorry. Anyone takes out the vodka and goes, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, no, that's okay. Can you just um, get like a mop or something? Can you, we just clean this up? And she goes, <laughs> no. And I'm like, no, no, no. You need to clean that up. There's glass on the floor. There's beer everywhere. Can you please clean that up? And she kind of goes, <laughs> walks off with our vodka. Actually, the vodka I bought in the airport, my vodka. And I go, sorry, excuse me. Clean that up, please. And then she goes, like, why would I do that? And I go, right, because it's my house, okay, and you've spilled it all over the floor, so can I just have that vodka off you? Take the vodka from her house. Uh, her house. Well, no, she's in my house, but she wasn't a mouse, unless she's a rat, but then they're in the house. What if a mouse is in the house is a rat? Anyway, I then take the vodka out of her stupid hand, and I go, lo and behold, this is actually my vodka. They're my super buck, and this is my house, so fuck off. And she goes, what? I go, yeah, you heard me. Fuck off. Get out of my house. So with no real exception, she leaves. And her mate then goes, oh, I'm so sorry. Listen, we'll, we'll clean up. I go, no, no, no. You can stay here if you want. But your friend's out of here. She's gone. So the both of them leave. But like, I wasn't tolerating that. If you're coming to the venue, you need to have a bit of decorum. Okay? So, yeah. And then before we knew us, like, we just had people going, ding, ding. People just arriving, arriving, arriving. We're here for the party. What party? There's no party. <laughs> Get back! Come on, 
house down the street. And I, I was like, Jesus, of all nights, the first night, everyone ends up crashing ours. Like, it was, it nearly became the property. Like, there's 26-year-olds all the way down to, like, 19-year-olds. Well, that's not true. 21-year-olds. But it got out of hand so much so that our neighbors and the police were banging at the door, being like, ah, 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 ah. that's not how they talk, but it it is when you're on the other side of the door and you're a bit scooped. So they kick us out absolute mayhem and the great thing was like we're like oh we're in our gaff well everyone else who was kicked out of the gaff was essentially in cambodia like they hadn't like they were in the middle of nowhere scrambling to get home but yeah it turns out our neighbor the next day was like hey guys just so you know the police are doing rounds they're going to try catch you out if you have any more parties so that was that unfortunately but yeah first night bang what else? There was another story of my friend, Mr. Jurassic Park, in which he got a bit of tired and emotional, had a few drinks, was kind of like, oh, I'm just going to go home. And he goes to the local, <laughs> ends up at the McDonald's in Villamore. Bear in mind, he's staying in, like near Kinta shopping in the Shagnolia Hotel, or the Bates Motel, as I like to call it. And he goes to Villamore, um, gets the Uber, gets out of the Uber, and it's only drive through so he starts standing up. He didn't have a car, so he stands in the drive-thru. And he gets chatting to this woman. I think she was a Portuguese. Could have been Marta or Maria or something. I could be wrong on that. And we don't know where this guy is. This guy just vanished during the night. We're like, geez, we hope he's Mr. Jurassic Park is okay. And what transpired, and he told us this the next day hilariously, was he was chatting to this girl, ended up like adding her on Instagram, have been chatting now for the... like next few days or ended up chatting for the next few days all the while he's in the queue in the middle of nowhere for mcdonald's on his own just standing there and it was one of the funniest things ever and they were trying to meet up and stuff like that like it was it was supreme craziness from a story point of view and like that night he'd been in Finns, and like Finns, by the way has become the new like beach bar after dark like yeah, like you had Danny Hogan behind the bar at one stage pouring pints, which like I know over there was deemed okay, but like if he was caught doing that in O'Donoghue's and Baggistry, he'd be shot. Anyone would be shot. But like we leave, say, Finns at half 12 1. All we see is this massive car coming up playing Start Me Up by the Rolling Stones. So all he hears, Start Me Up! Start Me Up! Hey! And it was like one of the clown cars. About 50 people got out of the car. People were on the roof swinging from the rafters. And I ended up jumping in the front seat with some girl. Then some Portuguese guy, before I know, grabs my glasses, tries to run. I had to get one of my mates to actually get the glasses back off him. It turned lawless. It was like Mad Max 3 for about four minutes. And then once it stopped, it stopped. They all gathered back into the car, bombed it up. They left Julius with two people on the roof. So, like, that's what you're dealing with. But, yeah. It was it was crazy, but like fins. Honestly, I I don't even know how, but like you had people hooked up to the speaker system playing their Spotify playlists. You had like D- Danny Hogan serving pints. Like Danny is the type of guy, <clears throat> and if you haven't listened to his podcast, by the way, it's very very good. Okay, I thoroughly enjoy it. Check it out. He links it all the time. This podcast, the Back Three podcast, it's very good. And he, don't worry, you actually didn't pay me. Even though, Danny, thanks for that Peroni and the Finns, by the way. But Danny's the type of guy, right? He, he could travel to any country in the world. 
and when he talks to the natives or tourists even even Irish people when he's in Ireland people still struggle to comprehend the fluent garlic coming from his mouth it, it just sounds like a foreign tone no matter where he is and what section of planet earth people will be like sorry what? Fix up thing I gonna be crossbow blood ring tight me not chat to no rass cloud bomber cloud beast fed girl them what? but yeah what else was there? There was Spawn Ranch. So, everyone see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Charles Manson's ranch. <coughs> Second years. And he's saying to Cliff Richard there. There you So, Spawn Ranch is basically where Charles Manson was. So it's a big ranch, right? So, one night we were invited back to these Black Rock lads. And no one really knew who they were or like what their deal was, but... We rock up and we're kind of the older crew, so we're a bit tentative. We're like, right, we don't want to be these guys who just kind of ruin the afters. But it like it turned out to be the Manson family living out there. It was just a group of these very chill, very sound black rock lads living their own divorced life in like some fictional life and landscape in the hills of Portugal. Like it pretty much was like the Hollywood Hills, just overlooking the whole of Portugal. They kept themselves themselves. No one had heard of them. It was like mythical land. But like you get up there my only issue was the tunes like it felt like i was back in berlin in the middle of treasure seeing someone eat their own jaw successfully by the way but it was surreal like you're there and like at stages like there's about 100 people there's no ac in the gaff so even going to the toilet was like walking into a joe rogan fumed sauna where you'd come out bucket and sweat and you didn't know if you were sweating or you just pissed all over yourself but yeah, like it was, it was, it was crazy. Like people say, was it better than previous years? It wasn't. It was much more stressful. So like, the stress of like, oh yeah, Julius closed half eleven, twelve. It would just be a scramble. It was the scramble. I know you use this reference so much. So just bill me. Literally, write up an invoice and bill me. But you'd finish in Julius, and then be like twelve, and everyone be like, oh, where are you going? Where are you going? So like, unless you literally got invited back to your own after party by people younger than you, you hadn't a fucking chance. So yeah, what else? People ask about how are my feeds over there? <clears throat> Where'd I go? La Perilla, useless, massive, massive issues. The prawns to start were absolutely fantastic. The steak was terrible. The steak was so bad that I started moaning about it to the table. And I didn't intentionally do this, but the waitress was right behind me, like right behind me, ready to pour my agua fria. And I went, lads, like, I don't know about you, but that steak was a fucking disgrace. So then she comes up and pours the water and goes, is everything okay, sir? And I was like, fuck. Everything is quite clearly not okay. And you know that. But by asking if everything is okay, you've made a power play that I'm not going to match. So I just said, yeah, everything's fine. Also, Merlot was ordered as well. That's what happens when I'm not in charge of the wine list or the wine choice. Which, by the way, we got some fantastic chili wine followed after that. So it was like using torn tissue paper and then after using Candu. That's like where we went. We went from Merlot to a beautiful chili and wine. It was fantastic. But the Merlot, thick. I'm actually getting shivers thinking about But yeah, La Perilla, more like La fucking... Godzilla, useless. Puree, nothing pure about it. The only thing pure is the setting overlooking a part three, which if you have some absolute Hillary swank on the tea, they can actually end up smashing your smoothie in your face. The smoothie was fantastic, but apart from that utter shit, go away. Coco Lane, quite underwhelming, apart from breakfast. If you go there for breakfast, get the pancakes. They're class. 
And if you like thin, refreshing milkshakes, it's the place to be. But the best is Dos Passos by far. <clears throat> the setting, the prawns, the sunsets. They do have a few crazy waitresses and waiters, but I suppose that's the price you pray. <laughs> that's that's the price you pray for prawns. <clears throat> That'll be my new number two single. But yeah, that's the price you pay for deadly setting them fucking the best prawns ever. So yeah. That like more or less wraps it up. There'll be I do have loads of questions. So I ask people questions to it. I think there was about fifty questions asked. Half of them would end up with me or someone else going to jail. So rest assured that will not be the case. But yeah, I'll just answer them off the bat, like, and we'll see. <clears throat> if anyone also if anyone has any issues, my lawyer's number, his name is David. His number is 086-962-1414. Okay, so any lawyers, there you go. Um, so Q&A time. So these are people asking me on Instagram. Family Portugal or Lads Portugal, which was better? The family one. It had a mix of everything. Me waking up on the bathroom floor, me playing golf in the sweltering heat, me going out for great feeds, me going to the gym, me not going to the gym, me seeing Nicole Schwarzenegger and... and <laughs> You get my point. I can't even pronounce her second name. That's how distracted I am about her beauty. Okay. So was it better than previous years? No way. It was very stressful. As in the the family holiday was fantastic. One of my favorite holidays in Portugal. But the the absolute sendathon where you'd be waking up having super bock for breakfast. No, it was it was stressful. It was enjoyable, but it was stressful. Whose podcast is better? And yeah. I I got asked this by three different people. Whose podcast is better? Yours or Mark Megan's? It was also Danny Hogan's as well, thrown in there as well, which I've already plugged for this, which Danielle accepts the, <laughs> the cash in the post. But yeah, which is better, yours or Mark Megan's? Hmm. See, ultimately, it's not up for me to decide. Like the person who asks this question, he can decide himself. Like some prefer mine. I'm sure some prefer his. But the one thing I will say is like my podcast will never be just one thing. It'll be solos. It'll be with mad guests. It'll be sports. It'll be whatever. Well, like it just seems like his podcast has become this massive moaning session by a guy who quite clearly just wasn't happy with being picked last in PE every week in school. So my one advice would be you need to cheer up. You need to stop being critical of everyone and everything and enjoy life a little bit more. Okay, because I love to moan, especially about Ryanair and Merlot, but at the end of the day, I just do it for a bit of crack. Okay, which I'm sure he does the same, but like it doesn't come across that way. It just comes across as bitter as a lemon. Like, Anyway, who's way off on a list of 1 to 10? Right, well, I'll try to go. Uh, number 10, I'd go... Yeah, those crowd of idiots getting smashed at Coco Lane at around one o'clock on, what was this, Monday, while families were trying to enjoy their meals. And uh, number nine, I'll go with the Ryanair pilot who couldn't close the fucking door. Number eight, <coughs> number eight would be uh, the Laparilla chef, couldn't cook steak, idiot. And uh, number seven, the bouncers at Finn's, they were useless. I think it was the owner. It was like, uh, I can't come in, we're closed. And we're like, we'll buy a drink. And he's like, deal. <laughs> Number six, Uber drivers has to be. Number five, probably Craig Lynch, because I don't think he was actually sober at any stage during the trip. 
like it, like he, I don't think he was ever sober. It was like Father Jack basically becoming sober. <laughs> Listen, I'll, I'll have to ring you back. What's up with him, Ted? <laughs> it looks like the last of the alcohol has left his system. I think he might actually be sober. Is that it, Father? Are you seeing things as they really are at last? Oh, my God! <laughs> That's it, all right. I suppose sobriety for Father Jack must be sort of like taking some mad hallucinogenic. Where are the other two? <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was entertaining to see, but also deeply concerning at the same time. So, uh, the young fella, number four would be the young fella who got turfed out by Marcy. I think I used the video on my Instagram. Like, what an idiot. Marty's like, get the fuck out, mate. Trust me. Trust me, mate. Get out. And he's like, away. And he's like, right, get him out of here. Number three, on the way off category. I'd say me at the property, falling asleep in the toilets. Like, that was, that was a low point. A definite low point. Number two, the flasher. That's all I'll say. And number one, the lads with the golf club. Sorry, yeah, the lads having an eighteen hole round at the top of Julius. Like, <laughs> it has to be them, obviously. Oh, okay. Next question: Why are Michael's lads such pinners? Okay, well, to tell the truth on that one, most humans who go to privileged South Dublin schools are complete saps. The key thing is, just some are just a bit more so than others. It's all about perspective, you see. Is my pod- is your podcast the best in Dublin? I don't know. Hopefully it is in your eyes, pal. But I sincerely doubt, based on stats and popularity, it is the best. But listen, I do try. Um, why did you travel when the government suggested you not to? Um, because, to be quite frank, I don't want to sit at home for the next two years, working away, earn my living, and yeah, letting my mid-twenties just drift away into nothingness, okay? I'm going to a place where there wasn't a single case reported while I was over there. In the Algarve alone, I think up until like a few weeks ago, there hadn't been a single reported case. So I, like, I'm no expert, and a lot of the people who listen to this are certainly not experts. Going to O'Donoghue's to have a few pints and getting pissed with lads is just as much of a risk as sitting at a table in Julius. Okay, it's not like everyone was going around as if it was coppers 2014, some massive orgy, people having sex on the beach, in an actual sex on the beach, crate, or whatever they call it, bucket. Like, give me a proverbial break. What else? Um, what were the most used sayings on the holiday? He's way off or he's way on. Was It was a given. You'd wake up and be like, are you way on or are you way off? And you'd just answer most of the time, I'm way off. Uh, phenomenal shape. That was on the first one. Anyone you'd see, man, woman, old, young, whatever, fat, skinny, shredded knot, you'd be like, sorry, can I just stop you there for one second? They'd be like, yeah. I just want to say you're in phenomenal shape. Phenomenal, pristine condition. And what else would there be? That was pretty much it. Like, then, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the vast majority of it. I'm trying to think anything else. Like, any other questions? I'm scrolling through here. A few of these I can't actually answer. If you could change one thing about Portugal, what would it be? 
Uh, COVID restrictions. I'd love the cheeky pub to be open till three every night, but obviously that is not the case. Um, out of all the years you've gone to Portugal, what is the funniest thing you've ever seen? <sighs> really quickly, staying in Monte de Quinta several years ago, I was about 12, 13 at the time. Uh, it turns out someone takes a massive dump in my room. We don't know who took the dump, but anyway, the toilet gets clogged. Gets so clogged that my dad has to do essentially surgery on the shit at the bottom of the toilet. It gets so over, basically, just there's a lot of shit everywhere. So we flush the chain, it overflows, shit all over the place, all over my dad's arm. It was disgusting. We get a plumber, the plumber couldn't fix it. We then essentially have to move house because my dad had tried so hard that like he had a, a rubber glove on, but the rubber glove only goes up just towards the elbow. It had seeped underneath, so he was basically just wedging shit all over his hand. The plumber had no use. The whole house was destroyed. The sewage system was destroyed in the gaff. And we're back in Dublin at my brother's birthday about two weeks later. And we were retelling the story about how it just destroyed the holiday. The smell of crap just filtered through the whole, whole villa. And lo and behold, (laughs) the guy who actually took the shit admitted on the night. He was like, oh. Are you? Did you never find out who that was? And my dad was like, "No, who was it?" And he goes, eh, "It was me." <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, for all the patrons, you will have about twenty twenty five minutes more of silly stories. You may have one or two audios as well. And um, so yeah, sign up. That will be published tomorrow evening. So you should enjoy that as well. So it'll be a few clips and all that of what took place. Um, and yeah, apart from that, thanks for listening. As I said, I've got some juicy guests coming on. And as I said, your feedback is always welcome. If you thought it was good, if you thought it was shit, if you thought it was great, if you thought it was bad, whatever, let me know. I appreciate it all the time. And apart from that, yeah, what type of mood are you in? I know what type of mood I'm in. Okay, now here we go now. Everybody now, I don't want anyone to panic now. Nobody panic, but here we go. Okay, starting now with three. <laughs>